Welcome to the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guest is Ellen Sundra, the Vice President of Systems Engineering for Forescout Technologies. Ellen, welcome to the discussion today. Thanks for having me, Jason. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion. In September, the National Institute of Standards and Technology issued a draft special publication focused on securing the Internet of Things, or IoT. In the draft, NIST writes, many organizations are not necessarily aware of the large number of IoT devices they are already using and how IoT devices may affect cybersecurity and privacy risks differently than conventional IT devices. And the use of IoT devices is only growing. In 2013, we knew that the number of internet globally connected devices were around 9 billion. But by 2025, that number is supposed to increase from to 25 to 50 billion devices, according to McKinsey Global Institute. And in fact, in 2015, the Organization for Economic Cooperation Developments estimated a family of four on average will have 10 devices connected to the internet, and that will only increase fivefold, but to 50 devices by 2022. So as you can see, there's a ton of interest in IoT, ton of growth in IoT is expected. And it's not just numbers alone. Obviously, there's potential risks that are huge and only going to increase as we get more devices. So as agencies modernize their networks and applications, move to the cloud, depend more and more on these connected devices, there are several factors that they need to consider. How can they balance the benefits of these connected devices with the concerns about security and privacy? And then there's the interoperability and standards issues that come with the further implementation of IoT devices. To help answer these and many other questions, we're going to turn back to our guest, Ellen Sundra, the Vice President of Systems Engineering for Forescout Technologies. So I laid out a pretty grim future, right? All these devices, how are we going to secure them? But if there's a will, there's a way. So maybe talk a little bit about the situation today and where we should be heading with the security of IoT devices. You bring up a good point. It sounded sort of gruesome that we have all of these devices that are attaching to our networks, but we can't forget there's a ton of value that comes with these devices, right? There's a, a reason why we're increasing our risk to put these types of devices on our on our networks. I mean, think about just from a public safety perspective. You have a police officer that has sensors in his clothes. He has a sensor on his, his gun holster. And as soon as he pulls his gun, someone in dispatch is given a an alert that someone's just pulled their gun. And now we know that this is a high risk situation. If he is wounded, sensors in his clothing would be able to immediately tell us, was he shot? Was he stabbed? Potentially even the type of bullet that was used to shoot him and where on his body. So first responders can have an immediate impact when they show up. So there's so much value uh, that comes to IoT. And just from a productivity perspective, we're looking at drones that are doing inspection of dams that's far more reliable than a human, right? So there's value. We recognize that. Now, some of it's debatable. Do I need my dishwasher and my refrigerator? I just came across a hairbrush that is connected to tell me if I'm brushing my hair too fast or too long or not enough. So there is some frivolous IoT devices out there as well. But I think we see across these organizations, there are devices that are connecting to the network and providing lots of value. What we need to do is identify those devices and then determine risk versus reward. Are these devices that are providing enough value that we want to have a potential new risk on our network? And then how do we protect those devices? I think the risk versus reward piece is very interesting. I think too many times we see in in the 
federal government or in the private sector, people jump. The hairbrush is a great example. Really? Did you really have to add a chip to your hairbrush? Do I really need to know that I'm brushing too long or too short or too hard or too soft or whatever? Talk maybe a little bit about that risk and reward. What goes into those decisions? First is is you have to identify what that device is and the value it's providing. And then we need to provide visibility around those devices. So to understand what the risk is, I can't evaluate the risk if I don't know about the device. And that's the step number one that we're really missing is that IoT devices have become so easy to get connected. If you kind of look back at at how these devices are created in the manufacturers, I mean, what's their number one goal is to make it easy to get connected to the network. I use my daughter as an example all the time. She got a, um, a Wi-Fi enabled light bulb. She was able to plug it in, download an app. And now she can connect to that light bulb anywhere in the world using that app. That's terrifying. That's how easy it is to get IoT devices connected. In the in the business world, if my eight-year-old daughter can do it, my nine-year-old daughter, there's employees that are doing it as well. And they're buying the TVs and they're getting connected. So they're connecting into the network very easily. And unfortunately, our security teams, our compliance teams know nothing about these devices. And so first, just knowing that it's there being able to have tools on your network that can identify those in real time and then check, do they meet my security needs, kind of assess some risk around it will help us make those decisions versus the the risk versus reward. The IT device discussion falls nicely into this broader discussion of IT modernization, right? As agencies are modernizing their technologies, as they're moving to the cloud, they look at this potential to say, hey, well, if we had a sensor and we got more, we download the data and then that then our, our person doesn't have to go into the field as often. Talk a little bit about the broader topic of IT modernization and not just how IoT fits in there, but the security processes, the thoughts around this this bigger topic. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting dichotomy here because we have, certainly we want to modernize our networks, right? We need to get these older devices off, the devices that are no longer supported, they no longer have patches available, and they're, they're introducing vulnerabilities into our network. So a lot of advantages to that modernization. But you're exactly right. That also means an influx of IoT devices and new sensors, new devices. What we really have to remember is that these new devices are still operating systems. They're still using embedded windows. So we need to still monitor those. We need to make sure that we're patching them, that they meet our compliance levels, and identify them, manage them, monitor them, continuously monitor them. If I have a lot of sensors and I know, for instance, let's in a hospital, I have a lot of x-ray machines, they need to talk back to a centralized server. If an x-ray machine starts talking to a thermostat or an internet gateway when it's not supposed to, I need to know those types of things. So just updating our hardware is a first step, but continuous monitoring has to play a part of this as well. We have to continually monitor these. The other point I, I want to make with, with modernization is that I think that there is another issue that we we might not be addressing the way we should be. And that is, I think everyone would agree, we need to get rid of XP machines, right? If they're no longer supported, let's not have XP machines on our network. The problem is, if you went to most agencies and said, do you have XP? They would say, no, we don't. But they're still out there, right? We saw this with WannaCry. We had agencies and organizations, companies, both commercial and public sector that said, oh, no, we don't have any more XP on our network, but yet they were hit with WannaCry. And so it's great that we're upgrading and we're going to modernize our network. But if we don't know what's there today and we don't know the existing machines, then we still have that gap in being able to assess the risk. 
You bring up continuous monitoring. It takes me down the path of continuous diagnostics and mitigation, the CDM program, something that obviously Scout is a major player in. One of the big things that CDM has done is to ensure agencies know where they're starting from. They've given, given them a baseline. As we talk about IT modernization and, and as we see agencies kind of move off these legacy systems, that is such a key piece. They ha- you have to know where you're starting. It's not just that you have five XP machines or 20. It's that you even have some. Give me a sense. What do you see from your clients as you talk to agencies? Is What kind of trends are you seeing generally about IT modernization? Then we'll dig deeper into CDM. It's always the first question that we ask is, is, is how many devices do you have connected? And we sort of have this funny engineering joke is that the more zeros on the back end, the more they really don't know how many devices are actually getting connected. And I, I think you're right, is that first step always has to be, let's get a baseline and let's know what's out there. If you look at really all of the industry best practices, you mentioned NIST at the beginning. NIST, you look at their frameworks, you look at SANS critical security controls. Step number one is always hardware asset management. You gotta know what's getting connected. And I think it's where we struggle the most, not only within the programs like CDM, but just across our customers. It's so eye-opening to see, oh my goodness, why do I have Xboxes on my network? Which has actually happened in that we were in a hospital that they found Xboxes when we went over and identified exactly where on the network that Xbox was. It was a guy who does the night shift. And he said, look, I, I plugged it in because I wanted something to do while I had some free time. That's really eye-opening. And the thing is, is, the, the, where the organization struggle is, there's no policies around that. If I find an Xbox, what do you do? Do you take it off the network? Do you make some sort of decision? Like, So I think that that is where a lot of our customers stumble is that first step of saying, oh my gosh, I just found out all of these devices are on my network. What do I do next? And so whether it's a big program like CDM or whether it's in our commercial customers, that's a really something you really have to consider the thought that goes into those policies of what it, what do I do when I do find something? Hopefully the first thing they did with that Xbox was unplug it and take it <laughs> off the network, but maybe that's a different discussion for another time. When they do understand, okay, now we have a baseline. The problem is tomorrow it changes and the next day it changes. You go in and you plug something in the network and all of a sudden that baseline is, is out of date. So the next step after understanding at least where you're starting from is that continuous monitoring. How do I know what's being plugged in each day or what's changing about the network? Is, is that really the next step? It, it is. And this is another, another issue that we run into is a lot of our customers rely on time-based scans. And they do a scan, whether it's you know, once a week, once a day, there's always going to be devices that are coming on and off the network. So for doing that hardware asset management, we can't rely on the scans to tell us what's connecting to our network at all time. Solutions need to be real time. And then, you know, I think the other part of that is the reliance on agents. We still have so many technologies that are out there that rely on a piece of software to be installed on the endpoint to be able to see when it connects to the network. The problem is all these IoT devices, they can't run agents. And then even with endpoints that do, like your your Windows machines, agents go bump in the night, right? Software goes bump in the night. So having a reliance on that type of technology, either agents or scanning, really provides gaps in that visibility in those devices that are connecting to the network. So let's tag it back to the, to the discussion, not just on IoT, but IT modernization more specifically. As agencies go down this path of IT modernization, as they start saying, let's get off these legacy systems, are the newer technologies, if you will, coming built in instead of bolted on, we always hate that phrase, with this idea of, of this continuous, the ability to do continuous monitoring to, if you will, report back in real time to some sort of dashboard that says, 
hey, this system, this network, this application is is something new is here. You need to look at this. Is IT modernization in part going to start solving this challenge that you laid out? We can't rely on the devices themselves to report back. It's like it's like self-diagnosing yourself, right? Like, oh, I'm fine. What are you talking about? Or, oh my gosh, I'm so sick. I can't go to work. You don't like, go to WebMD and look at and see all <laughs> the things that potentially could be wrong with you. Right. Right. So I, I, you really can't rely on the devices themselves to check back in. It's something that is not a reliable source of information. But having a third-party tool that that actually integrates into your infrastructure, that's, that's also agnostic, right? We can't tie ourselves into one vendor or one technology. We want to use best of breed. But having tools that will integrate with the infrastructure so every time a device connects, whether it's in uh, wireless or wired or VPN or whether it's connecting to your data center, your cloud, your campus, having tools that give you that visibility into all of those segments of your network, into all of those devices will help with that modernization. Because now I know not just that it's a security camera, but I know that it's plugged in in a particular location and I'm gonna watch to make sure that it's only talking back to another location. I'm not gonna rely on the security camera to do that itself. So having those tools is really important. And and typically those are third-party tools. They're not going to be built into the devices. All right, good explanation. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can talk more about the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. All it takes is one unsecured device on your network for a breach to happen. Do you know everything that's on your network? Most organizations don't have visibility into 30% of their devices. You need 100% device visibility, laptops, printers, IoT, and critical infrastructure. Forescout provides 100% device visibility. You can secure what you can't see. Forescout, transforming security through visibility. Learn how Forescout can protect your network. Visit forescout.com. That's forescout.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. My guest is Ellen Sundra, the Vice President of Engineering for Forescout Technologies. Ellen, before break, we were talking about this idea of IT modernization, IoT devices. And one of the things you kept coming back to several times during our discussion was it's got to be a real-time, immediate understanding of what and who's on the network. And I brought up the CDM program, the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program. This is the DHS program that Forescout is very involved in. So let's talk maybe a little bit about CDM. Give us the brief, what is it, just in, as a reminder, and then we can get into the, the what, what types of things are you seeing as you work with your government clients. CDM was really built out um, knowing that it was a huge task across the civilian agencies. It was really built out in four phases. The first phase being hardware asset management, know what's on your network. The second phase being know who's on your network, so identity. And the third phase being what are these devices doing on the network? The fourth phase being, all right, how do we now mitigate those risks and protect you against those threats? So that first phase, that hardware asset management, Forescout played a, a very big part in that visibility And there were years of, or a couple years of of reading rooms and gathering information from agencies. And, um, you know, we did see a lot of agencies when we first asked them how many 
how many devices are connected to their network, they came back with rather low numbers. And that was because they were relying on tools that were specifically around their Windows endpoints or their Linux or their Mac endpoints, not necessarily looking at everything that was connected. So we knew going into it that the numbers were rather low for these agencies. Um, what we didn't realize is that as we sort of opened up this visibility into all the civilian agencies, we found a tremendous number of endpoints that they weren't aware of. Kevin Cox, who's the PMO, has, has uh, stated several times that there's about 77% more devices than what they were expecting to see. Um, and I think that's a combination of, one, that the tools that they were using for visibility were broken, and they were relying on those agents and scans that we talked about previously, but um, also the fact that we were ignoring so many of those IoT devices or OT devices, the operational technology that was connecting onto those networks. Okay, you bring up OT, and it's a familiar topic, a familiar acronym, but maybe give me, a, a, again, the same 30 seconds. When you talk about OT, operational technology is what? Uh, that that would be all of your sort of industrial devices that are connecting. So your HVAC, your thermostats, that operational side, which is different than the IT side, right? Most of our tools are based and built around IT problems. The OT side is going to have, you know, manufacturing. We see conveyor belts or cranes. Almost every building has your HVAC, your thermostats, and all of that. So most organizations, even if they're not in manufacturing, they still have OT that they need to, to secure and to monitor. It's interesting you bring up, we talked IoT earlier on, and HVAC and, and smart buildings. Those are all part of that OT that I think has been ignored for so long. So when CDM started to pick up these devices... What was the first step? What was the reaction from some of your clients? And, and where are we now with it? Meaning not just CDM, but okay, now that agencies have that baseline, how are they protecting themselves? So two questions. Right. Yeah. So the first one really is picking up all of those additional devices. We really had to go back to DHS and say, what's in scope? Do we include the OT as in scope? The same thing would go with medical devices. So when you look at the VA, they have hospital beds and x-ray machines and infusion pumps that are all connecting are those in scope? And so first we had to get that definition. I mean, obviously pulling in OT and medical devices just increases the number exponentially. So that was sort of the first step. Again, that eye-opening step of, oh my goodness, look at all these things that are connecting. So what did DHS answer? Did they say yes or no? Or <laughs> well, depends? Right. It, it depends. Um, for right now, that uh, OT is going to be out of scope, but we are including some of the medical devices. All right. Good, good to know that. And then the second half of the question was around, where are we now? Okay, we have that baseline. Are, are agencies moving into that real-time monitoring? Do they understand that when I go to their network and I connect, they know I've connected? Or are we, or, I know you try to blanket everyone, but, but what's yeah. the trends you're seeing? There are certainly some agencies who have adopted it faster um, and they already had a lot of the tools in place. And so those are able to to implement the real-time monitoring uh, on a, a, a faster basis, just based upon the fact that they already had many of the tools in place. Um, so we're seeing sort of this wide range. We still have other agencies that are still kind of struggling with the visibility piece because they have such large networks and they're finding so many more devices than they expected to find. So there's sort of this wide scale right now on where those agencies fall. When you go in and talk to agencies and what kind of advice do you give them? Do you say, let's start here. We have to start somewhere. So let's start where or how do you get started? So we definitely take the crawl, walk, run approach. The, the first phase just being, let's just first 
figure out what's on your network. Don't panic about that Xbox that we found or or those you know refrigerators. We, we just did an assessment at a, a DoD location and actually found a refrigerator they knew nothing about. And they wanted to focus the rest of the day on figuring out who put that refrigerator on and, and kind of focus on that where we usually give the recommendation, let's let's just study the water. Let's make sure we know what's out there and let's look at the big picture. And then we'll worry about what we're going to do with those devices. A lot of times we, we suggest, you know, not just within CDM, but across all of our customer base is that next step is, all right, now we can just mitigate those that we are 100% sure should not be on the network, like the Xbox. And then finally, once they're really comfortable with knowing everything that's on the network, what those devices are and what their role is, then we get into full automation, which is now we can control those devices. And as new devices come on, we can assess them and make a decision whether they should be allowed on or not. The other piece of this, and this is a perfect segue into this idea of comply to connect. And this is a DoD initiative that uh, we've written about several times, and it's also part of this long-going discussion of zero trust network as well. So let me start with Comply to Connect, define what that is a little bit, and then we'll get into how DoD is using it. Yeah, there's really three tenets of Comply to Connect. The first is is knowing that getting that 100% visibility of your network and continuously monitoring the posture and, and cyber hygiene of those endpoints. So that's the first tenet. The second one is making sure that devices meet your security standards and your configuration before allowing them onto the network. So do they have the right patches? Have they been scanned for vulnerabilities? And making sure that they meet your standard of cybersecurity. And then the third being to aggressively and automate segmentation for these devices, which is once they come on, I know that they belong in a particular segment of my network. And those that maybe don't meet my compliance levels, we want to segment those off so they're not a risk to everything else on the network. So we need that automated segmentation to happen as well from a risk mitigation perspective. Now, I know the Marine Corps, I think, is the first one really to talk and really jump into this Comply to Connect. Are you guys working? Are you able to talk about if you're working with them specifically or who are you working with? Yeah, so um, we do have customers across DoD. Marine Corps was one of the first ones to do a real pilot on Comply to Connect, and that was several years ago. Uh, and it was very eye-opening. So they were using Scout as that first step, which is the visibility. And um, we did it down at Camp Lejeune. The number of IoT and OT devices that we found were astonishing. We found things like at the gate, um, there were sensors on those gates. There were street lights. There were all sorts of different building, like the lights in the building. And and so they they were the first ones to really have that sort of eye-opening perspective of the devices on their network. They worked very efficiently. Uh, Tony Gillespie, who was running the project at the time, was very adamant about building an automation. Okay, I found it, but so what? What am I going to do about it? So he really pushed to have a lot of the tools integrated together. So that pilot was very successful because it forced a lot of the vendors to talk to one another, to share information. So if Forescout was... Uh, identified a device that wasn't compliant, it could then speak to a tool that could make it compliant. And so he really pushed for the automation, which made that pilot very successful. So that has sort of been our poster child for Comply to Connect as it moves across DOD. But now we've seen it adopted across the Navy, um, you know, armies looking into it. Really, every division is is looking at implementing Comply to Connect. With the pilots that have gone through, what are some of the things that stood out to you and, and as Force Scouts been part of the teams? Why is Comply to Connect? And it seems so simple that it makes sense, but what about it is is so 
attractive to DOD and, and I think other agencies? Well, certainly they've seen the success that we've had in other programs like CDM. I know that there's a lot of sort of cross-pollination on trying to take best of best practices and, and what has worked, sort of lessons learned. So I've seen some really nice collaboration between uh, the civilian agencies and DOD, which has been great. For many, many years, DOD had some policies in place, like, for instance, they had some um, port security rules. And so you had to authenticate to the network before you got connected to the network. And I think what they've finally realized is that just authenticating doesn't really mean a whole lot. I can have a an infected machine that I connect to the network and I authenticate properly because I am Ellen Sundra and I know my credentials, but now I've just let an, uh, an infected machine on the network. So they're starting to look at the fact that that continuous monitoring, continuously finding those things that are connecting and assessing them before they come on the network is an important part of that. One of the things about Comply to Connect going forward is, can it be scaled? Can it be done in a big enough form? Are you seeing a, a, the ability of Comply to Connect work more broadly, or is it still still in that pilot stage? We're going to test it out with maybe a bigger audience than Camp Lejeune, but still not tens of thousands or hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of DOD employees, civilians, and, and service members. Certainly going back to that crawl, walk, run, we want to make sure that the agencies crawl first. If we just immediately turn on Comply to Connect, it would have a huge impact on the user base, right? We don't want to, we certainly want to enable the users to continue to do their work. So doing it in the right pattern is important. We have had uh, a couple agencies adopt it very quickly, and it is at a much larger scale than just a pilot. We've also seen it sort of seep into the commercial world. So now we have some really large customers that have implemented the same pre-connect actions, which is before you get connected, you are Guilty until proven innocent. We want to make sure that you absolutely meet our compliance policies, then we'll get you connected. So that that really plays across both public sector and private sector. It's good to see that the government is not behind. So many times we hear the government's always so behind with technology. And, and I think in cybersecurity specifically, but in some other areas too, they're, they're probably more ahead. Ellen, this has been a fascinating conversation. We're just about out of time. So let me make the connection back. When we talk about comply to connect and we talk about for instance cdm this all comes back around to iot devices and the, as, as agencies modernize and they put more sensors and things on their network they need to know who's there what they're doing maybe wrap this up in a bow for me and, and what are some of the things that as agencies continue to modernize continue to improve their security they need to keep in mind with all these things coming at them at once the continuous monitoring the iot devices the benefits, the risks, the challenges, et cetera. Yeah. So, um, you know, the one thing to remember is that it's not all about technology. Is it's, it's about the people and the processes and the technology wrapped into one. And having some type of single platform to really give you that visibility across campus and data center and your IoT devices and your cloud and OT is really critical because otherwise you're going to have gaps. You're going to have people trying to communicate to other people on what devices they have. You have different tools for each one. So remember when when we do that, when we put down a strategy, it really has to be your entire enterprise. And we need to think about what is the technologies that can do that, the people and the processes to merge them all together to come up with one continuous monitoring solution. Um, and then also uh, that risk mitigation as well. Throughout a lot of our conversation, risk hasn't come up. I'm a little surprised, but that's okay. I think that's the other piece that's Comply to Connect that CDM is, is helping agencies understand is 
what risks they have. And I think that that's the other key piece to this conversation is as you are modernizing, you brought up the risk reward earlier on. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I think if they understand the risks going in, they can make better decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and how do you make those decisions? You have information. And if you've gaps in your information, you, you can't make a really good decision. So complete visibility is going to be critical in that evaluation process. All right, very nice. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Let me thank my guest, Ellen Sandra, the Vice President of Systems Engineering for Four Scout Technologies. Ellen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Jason. You've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at Federal News Radio, keyword innovation.